0: Thank you to the Red Hot Chili Peppers for your rendition of our theme. And welcome to episode <laughs> 16 of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show, and other Degeneration comedy tidbits. My name is Matt, and joining this podcast today is Alison, Daniel, Kim, and Prue. Yeah. Hey there! How are we all? Yeah, it's
1: it's been you a cold, but cool. it's, it's not coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I got to admit, at the time of this recording, we're just getting towards the end of our mandatory mask wearing. So uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun when you're trying to crack a smile to someone and you realise you have to smile with your eyes.
2: <laughs> totally,
0: yeah. Yeah, so I, I now know how Melbourne people felt. <laughs> That's a lot yeah. of yeah. Cool. All right, well, let's get straight into it, shall we? And uh, it, we've got a bit of everything before we actually get into the episode guide, so guess what? All right, I'm going to go straight into the competition, and <laughs> this is the, uh, what do you call it, your best piss week? Quote competition, I guess uh, and It's a pretty piss competition As well, and you get to have a piss prize, but this Is what we've got so far
3: What's all that about? I made love to her
0: like a tiger Great, from from uh, Dominic, how I is Do you believe in mental telepathy? No, I hear you think I
1: may be ugly But never be As ugly as an
0: and now we can break the chain, and we've got a new entry. This is from Asmo.
3: No, I am not the man from the Where's Wally
0: books. I'm tired
1: of people
3: <laughs> walking up to me and saying, found you.
0: And him <laughs> and a whole bunch of others are in for a quick prize pack, the Piss Week prize pack, which consists of the Ripper album, the Bar just, or Lucky Grills cassette tape... <laughs> Uh, the Degeneration Bumper Aussie Heroes book. Any questions for Ben DVD? And the uh, fake tan book. <laughs>
1: <Sorry>. <laughs> I, I
0: keep looking down. They're on the floor next to me. So, Anyway. And they're
4: all collector's items too.
0: Yes, every single one of them. So all you have to do is hit up your entry, any quote at all that you want to do. ChampagneLateShow <laughs> at gmail.com. And, in fact, when Asmo sent that in, he was making sure it's the right email because he was a little bit flummoxed. So... (laughs) so, Yes. And uh,
5: I've decided I'm going to send in um, my copies of Utopia Series 1 and 2, which are still shrink-wrapped because I bought them for $1 each at the ABC shop at the Queen Victoria building during its last hours before it shut forever. That was the shop where I bought my... Uh, late Show cap, not my Late Show cap, my Late Show shirt. Never had a cap, unfortunately. Um, so genuine place where lots of Late Show memories were.
1: Yeah, They were selling everything
5: off. Yeah, they were selling them all for $1. So I, I bought a, a few copies. Oh, so. Fantastic.
0: So we're getting that as well. So make sure you do get your entry in, anything you want. In fact, there might be a few quotes later on in the show which you could record and try and enter as well. So, and uh, I believe Alison, you have some news, especially on a certain extra member that came in in the second season.
6: Yeah, well, congratulations to Judith Lucy on on publishing her third book this week, which which is called "Turns Out I'm Fine." And um, I haven't got a copy of the book yet, but I'm I'm sure it's as good as her previous two. But just to, just to note, really, she's doing rounds of, of the interviews at the moment. She was on um, Conversations with Richard Feidler this week and Will Anderson's podcast, I think you said, Daniel, before we started. Uh, yeah, she's on the
4: uh, latest episode of Willosophy.
6: Great. So look out for Judith in the next couple of weeks promoting her book. And, of course, go and buy a copy which I will be soon. Yeah, I think she was
2: doing a Q&A with um, who wrote Up the Duff? Oh, uh, Kaz, Cook. Kaz Cook. Yeah, Kaz Cook. She was yeah. doing Q&A with Kaz Cook at the Art Centre too. Oh, that's great.
0: Check that out. Now we do have a bit of uh, feedback as well. Um, this is Twitter feedback and the Twitter, well, the Twitter account of the, the show 89.7 PAFM says, and now I feel sorry for them because of what they've done here, and they've been listening to the pilot episode. We've come a long way. This is episode 16. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So listening to the pilot ep, in brackets, should be doing show prep, but I'm using your podcast as, quote, research, unquote. And someone pointed out that Tony Martin attended Myrtle Woods' funeral after, quote, she died. So it's just, a, a I guess, a certain way of, you know, kind of like that whole Tony Abbott of dead, buried, cremated. Or buried. Are
2: we in pedantry territory?
0: Well, that's the thing that says reaches for the pedantry stamp. Pedantry,
2: (laughs) yeah.
6: Yeah, I, th- I think I was the person who said that, so you know, that that is particularly pedantic, but it's it's a bit like when someone says ten AM in the morning you
2: know? <laughs> or AM
6: Yeah, yeah. You know it's wrong, but you just but loads of people say it and you just end up saying it. So my, my apologies. My very sincere <laughs> apologies <laughs> for I that. Everyone
2: who doesn't say pin number and really I think it's
1: fine. <laughs> yeah. Well,
6: or non bred. Non bread. <laughs> don't need to say bread. It's non equals bread.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I do apologise to the show uh, or PBAFM for actually listening to the pilot episodes. So we were very <laughs> rusty back then. And It'll only yeah, get better yeah. from there. Yes. Yeah. Um, the next entry is from a listener as well as a previous guest host, Mason Hellcat, who mentions in regards to episode 15 of the Red Hot Chili Peppers sketch he believes that he may be the only one to think this but he's pretty sure that Santo hadn't read or been involved in the writing of the Red Hot Chili Peppers dialogue that uh, Mick did so um, he was only there to feed Mick lines and reactions so he says it works because it's seamless but watch it again with that in mind and tell him if he's wrong so there's some um, research for you so huh. if you well, that's very believable yeah, so if you think Santa's just totally improved or... So send him a tweet if you don't believe him or if you are on his side either way. He'll like to hear about it now. And we've got email feedback. And this one is from Stephen Plunkett. My apologies if I said your surname incorrectly. And he claims that we may have overdone the...
2: <laughs> Never. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Out
5: of the uh, uh, I <laughs> think, the think he needs to be punished
0: Yes he does And you know what We're going to punish him By bringing him on this show As a guest <laughs> reviewer So look ah. out for a future episode Stephen Sucked in, you're in And you know what Let's get this drumming out of the way
4: <laughs> Impressive
1: Thank you. Wow.
5: Thank you, thank you to Daryl Summers for coming on. To this. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> Gotta hold up your hands quickly. Let's make this stop now.
0: There we go. That nice. Yeah, yeah had to get all that out of my system.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: And one more, which is also uh, David Asmo, who had entered the competition earlier. He, now, this one, um, it's a bit off topic. It's not exactly The Late Show, but it's a future project, I should say, uh, in regards mm. to what well, he says here. This is his email. Just a wee thing I saw. I was rewatching Frontline Series 2, Episode 13, and a prickly-hated TV viewer comes well, gives some pretty bad views on Frontline. Now his name is surely a coincidence, but in it combines Ross Warnicky and Tom Oliver. He believes, but he just wants to, uh, you know, put it out there since we do have a bit of Warnicky and Fidgeon. <laughs> oh, actually, Fidgen's yeah, not really I, a part of it.
4: <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I don't think I don't think it was Tom Oliver. I think it. Well, the the well, real life r- reviewer was Robin Oliver. I think Robin was, Oliver. Uh,
0: Yeah, who wrote
4: for the Sydney Morning Herald.
0: Yes, but I do actually have the quote that he's talking about. It's little wonder Frontline is lagging behind the opposition. Host Mike Moore seems
3: increasingly ill at ease with many of his interviews lacking direction and focus.
0: Skip the bad bits,
5: Marty. I am. What is this guy's problem? In three years he hasn't written one good thing about us.
3: Oh, here we go. Bye, Marty. Hi, Hi, Dom. Hey, Hey, everyone. Did you see Oliver Ross's article in the Blue Guide this morning? Come on, Marty, you know I don't read reviews. Any mail for me, Dom? No. The messages? No. Oh, second down. No. Was there something about us in there, wasn't
5: there?
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Five, four, three, three two, one. What's the uh, general gist of it, though, Marty?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Ross, which
0: would be Ross Warnicky and... Uh... Robin Oliver. Oh, Robin Oliver, yeah. So that's a nice little uh, Easter egg there that he's discovered <laughs> in uh, Frontline. He also says that the show, our podcast, uh, has got him through some tough times. So Aww. you're welcome. That's oh, thank good.
4: you. That's that's, that's that's really good to hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised. Really.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: yeah, you, you <laughs> uh, at at, least, at, least at this point, we are definitely not flummoxed by that. Uh,
0: <laughs> that uh, <laughs> well, put it this way: the one, the podcast that you do eventually hear is a very short version of, of our actual recording <laughs> so we won't exactly say how long our recordings go for but you mm. get the uh the non-zack snyder edit so yeah um, yeah we started get, recording get, uh, it in 1995 <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that, that's it for the feedback so uh, if you do want to send us something yeah send us a tweet at tls champagne or send us an email champagne late show at gmail.com and and go from there. Yeah, it's time for Daniel's program guide.
4: Okay, so we're looking at a critical guide to the weekend's TV. You know how uh, you would get your copy of TV Week and it would be full of highlights and scribbles of people trying to work out what they wanted to watch for the week? Basically, this is what Ross Warnocky did every Saturday uh, in, uh, in The Age uh, for their TV guide. So we'll start with Channel 7. Uh, up against uh, Season 1, Episode 16, uh, they screened the 1983 adventure movie, Lone Wolf McQuaid. Uh, Warnocky, macho Chuck Norris plays a Texas Ranger pursuing the evil David Carradine, who hijacks US Army weapons shipments and sells them to the commies mindless, unquote. <laughs> uh, then over on Channel 9, now, for some reason, there were no guests listed um, for the Hey Hey episode for tonight, um, either on Saturday or in the previous Green Guide, so my assumption is they had absolutely no guests at all. Maybe even no audience. <laughs> Maybe that was just <laughs> me for the whole two hours. I don't know. Uh, but after Hey Hey was the 1984 comedy Bachelor Party, Starring oh, Tom Hanks, Hanks and George Grizzard. Yes. Uh, uh, Ross Warnicke uh, sums it up thus. Unhappy parents hire their daughter's former boyfriend to disrupt her fiancé's raunchy stag night.
0: Yes, that, that's an interesting film to watch when you're 12 years old. mm
4: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and and it was rated AO as well.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah. that's a future little sizzle thing.
4: Um, over on Channel Ten, they had a double feature. Uh, first of all, at eight thirty, they had Jaws three from nineteen eighty three. Uh, says Warnicky, there is no Roy Scheider in this thoroughly unexciting sequel set not in the ocean but at Florida's SeaWorld Resort where a great white menaces the owners of the aquarium. And that was followed at 10.30 by Jaws the Revenge from 1987. Oh. Um, yes. Um, says Warneke, again, no Roy Scheider but the widow of his character in Jaws and Jaws 2, played by Lorraine Gary believes her family is being picked off one by one by a vengeful shark. This third sequel is just plain stupid, unquote. <laughs> now, uh, Warnke may think it's stupid, but there are some people we'll find out next episode who think that this may be an undiscovered masterpiece of the cinema.
1: Mm. <laughs> so, Movie's coming, go, there. Daniel. <laughs>
4: Um, Over on SBS, they had a 1944 British black-and-white melodrama called Tawny Pippet, a little thing story of a man's efforts to protect the nesting place of two rare birds starring Niall McGuinness. And finally, on the ABC, uh, before the late show at 9.30 was the British sitcom Bread. Adrian is offered a job as a personal assistant to the new neighbour. Then, 10 o'clock, The Late Show, Ross Warnieke puts uh, in, up against that listing, uh, quote, uneven a Melbourne-produced live comedy show, which, I don't know, I think I think this, this episode might prove him wrong. I don't think there's much that's uneven about the episode we're about to talk
1: about.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and then, after The Late Show, Order in the House, Ross uh, Warnieke put in here, quote, highlights... Uh, highlights in quotation marks of the week in Parliament. Uh, that's followed at midnight by the Golf World Cup Day 2 highlights, then at the very late time of one forty-five am
0: Rage featuring Simple Minds. And that's it. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for that, Daniel. Yeah, no worries.
5: I should uh, point out my, my partner always enjoys Daniel's roundup of what was on TV back then. I did mention that it was uh, a shortened version. Sometimes we go on some tangents. <laughs>
4: yeah there's sort of there there wasn't much to talk well talk about apart from um yeah jaws 4 but um yeah that that's that's preempting stuff next week
0: i'm looking forward to that (laughs) me too
4: oh yeah
0: all right so we might as well get into it and it's uh time for a discussion on season one episode 16 of the late show broadcast saturday november 7th 1992 and we have the opening of quite fancy opening a presentation of Christopher Columbus and the Discovery of America as narrated by Albie Mangles. Now, I will have to point out some... pedantry Because I've noticed straight away that they spelt Mangles incorrectly, but I don't know if it's because of legal reasons or anything like that. So the correct pronunciation is M-A-N-G-E-L-S. How they wrote it was L-E-S.
4: And that's not the only typo. There's, like, two typos in the first 10 seconds. <laughs> okay. They also they also misspelled Christopher Columbus's surname as well. Oh, So instead of being C-O-L-U-M-B-U-S, it was C-O-L-O.
2: Uh, ah. uh, oh, dear. Well, well, that feels like a mistake. I was going to say maybe Albie Mangles was intentional, but... I doubt it now. <laughs> there's
4: there's no way Christopher Columbus, unless it's the film director. Uh, he might have wanted to sue. I don't
0: know. <laughs> Other than a, a mashup of Albie Mangles and Christopher Columbus, yeah, we do have the opening of the late show, which uh, runs as normal. And I'm just trying to buy some time because I need to load up this little sound effect. Yo,
1: way to go! <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mick and Tony discussing Queensland's new tourism campaign slogan.
3: Yo, way to go!
6: <laughs> the the 90s was very much the era of states deciding to go with these kind of cool and hip slogans. You might remember a couple of years after this, um, South Australia went with going all the way with SA. I'm sure you remember this one, Daniel. And no one realised what going all the way also meant. <laughs> um, they very, very quickly had to change this, but I I had completely forgotten about yo, way to go, Queensland. So I'm assuming that that was also fairly short-lived.
5: No, I still remember the beautiful one day, perfect the next, or rather a hotbed of corruption unrivaled anywhere in the Western world. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Did anyone yeah. remember uh, Victoria's really sad one, which was, A penguin Vic coming on and going tiddly woo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's not a slogan.
5: You (laughs) can't (laughs) put that on number plates. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got uh, nowadays the Northern Territory has C U in the N T, like with C. (laughs) You. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's that just a favourite. <laughs> official.
4: Sure. <laughs> sounds like a parody. Yeah. Although, although, mind you, apparently the, the people who were responsible for, for that Northern Territory one um, did uh, just do a new one, uh, which happened to um, uh, coincide with April the 1st. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> go down south with your mouth.
1: Uh, Talking about
4: food and wine, of course, get
0: your minds out of the gutter, folks. Oh Well, other than the tourism campaign slogans, the US elections are over and you have Bill Clinton who has uh, been voted in. And yeah, pretty much Mick complains that he doesn't like Clinton's saxophone. He could have used a piano accordion. Which you know, it kind of uh, is a little bit disappointing because you know who we haven't heard of. We haven't had the Spaz Family lately.
1: Yeah, who, who the, I've been missing too. the Spaz Family. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're piano accordion
0: royalty.
4: Yeah, we could we could have had Bill Clinton make a cameo and you know uh, be present in a very special episode of the Spaz Family.
0: We should make our own just to continue it. Yeah, do a reboot of the Spaz Family. <laughs> With that. um now, this, this is uh, one of the early train wrecks of uh, this episode, I guess, because uh, <laughs> they, they try to explain... Well, Tony and Mick have this written out perfectly, but they're talking about how Shakespeare has been adapted into animated uh, TV shows. So uh, I'll, I'll let this audio bit explain.
3: Shakespeare's plays, they've mm-hmm. taken a whole bunch of them mm-hmm. and they've turned them into 30-minute cartoons for television. Now, it sounds like a dumb idea, but uh, they're actually quite good, aren't they? Have you had a look good. At I them? was very impressed. I had a look at the animated version of Romeo and Juliet, right. and that was fantastic. Romeo, how good was his performance, standing there at the bottom of the balcony, just looking up, going, Wilma! <laughs> <laughs> so I like how they've got all those long speeches in Othello, the ones with Iago, they've yeah. just dropped them all, and now he's just standing up the back there going, <laughs> I think that works much better. The Battle of Agincourt, the Battle of Agincourt. Explain this, was it Tom or Jerry who smashed Henry V. over the head with a mallet, making his eyes pop out like that? We've got 25 of these. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to do every single one of them. I think we've given the audience their Shakespearean treat for the evening. Tony. So I can't do the thing about King Lear just going off as rocker and going... <laughs> no, <laughs>
1: we're not going to do that,
2: that has to be one of my favourite Tony lines, that we've well, got 25 of these. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: And later in the episode,
2: they do
5: do them all.
1: <laughs> yes, stand by. Stand <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think I fully appreciated this when I actually had to study those plays, especially King Liam, if you just had to summarise that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> do the animated plays actually exist or was that a thing that was just a a bad news report, a funny spot in the age.
6: I've got no memory of them at all. And and I would have thought it's the kind of thing we'd have watched at school at the time. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, surely. With those. I, can't, I, d- I don't remember exactly which version it was, but there was I, the only one, it wasn't a cartoon, but of Romeo and Juliet, which I watched in high school. And it was one where uh, Juliet ended up getting her norgs out, so... <laughs> I that's, the
1: Zeffirelli.
6: That ah, is it? that's the Zeffirelli one. Yeah, yeah. It, it was made in the early 60s or something. Yeah. And, it... and they, both Romeo and Juliet were like 16 years old actors or something. Oh, yeah. oh, We watched that at school as well.
0: Yeah, it was the girl from, sorry, not girl, the woman, the actress from, oh God, what's her name? Um, Turkey Shoot.
6: Yeah, in Turkey Shoot. She she goes on to do Turkey Shoot.
0: Olivia Hussey. Olivia Hussey,
6: yeah.
2: What an unfortunate
0: surname. Yeah, so Charles and Di's marriage are on the rocks, and, uh, yep, that's uh, a given. And uh, Mick's advice to Di is to turn that frown upside down. And we're introduced to Mick's love line.
3: Lingering French kisses, steamy Latin embraces,
0: and even steamier Dutch ovens, I do them <laughs> <laughs> a favorite during Valentine's Day.
5: Yeah, we loved uh, this when we were in high school, and a couple of my friends had a crush on Mick. And I remember asking them if this actually existed. Would you call this number? And oh, yes, I definitely would. I just, I would just love to listen to to Mick on the love line. Uh, but all those really hilarious lines, like the firecracker in the sack, and then that that shot of him. I'm assuming he's by himself.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> if if they if they were there, they would have been pummeled to.
1: This is one of those um,
2: rare episodes that I actually had on tape before the summer of 92 when they did the best bits of the first season and, and then I yeah. taped them all and I never stopped. But, like, I only had about three episodes on tape and this is one and I feel like it's one of those ones where you know every bit off by heart, like, you know, Holy Grail mm. or something. Yeah. Anyway, I was fascinated with that whole... Go off like a firecracker in the sack, because and kudos to my sixteen-year-old self. I'm like, whoa, is it really like that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I like a trampoline, this guy
1: like coming in <laughs> <a> 10 <10-liter> to launch, <laughs> bouncing up and down. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> that,
6: that is a very poor reflection on the sex education classes you had at school. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Did we
2: had to too Puberty blues in our sex education class. I think the biographer <laughs> in the sack is a big upstanding from that. Didn't you have
0: like happy healthy Harold, the Harold the Giraffe. No, oh. no, no that's
1: too that's old for that. Oh, <laughs> too that, old for that.
0: That's my era. Yeah.
4: Maybe maybe you needed some nogs out Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah, norg out Shakespeare. <laughs> well, what
6: what you could have done, Prue, is you could have called double o double five seven one hundred seven, which is the actual phone number for Mix Love Line, and yeah. and he maybe explained it to you.
2: <laughs> Was there a, um, a, a a money rate on that? Because I remember those double double five numbers used to be like. $11.70 a minute or something. Yeah. Well,
5: for some, it would have been worth it if you get to talk to Mick. <laughs> <laughs> He's driving his monster trucks and, oh, the Dutch ovens was just a classic. Like, I don't and think I knew exactly what that that was that, <laughs> at that age. But <laughs> I, obviously I knew what it was when I saw it, so I think that's how I learnt what they were. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Oh, am I alone in when I go round kitchenware shops and I see a, an actual Dutch oven, as in the like, sale, <laughs> yeah. I, I slightly snigger at
2: it. No, not alone.
0: All right. So news desk with Tommy G, and I'm not going to use the drums because I'm all drummed out now. And you have U.S. President George W. Bush graceful in defeat, and there's footage of Bush on the podium and a knife, uh, knifing a photo of Clinton. And you have. Uh, Anglonian neighborhood watch gets out of hand and they show footage of the militia with guns surrounding apartments. So this is a lot of visual stuff. And uh, yeah. Russian vice president named international politician most in need of a hairpiece. And it's got one <laughs> hell of a comb over. Now, the other one is a Brisbane man chosen to be part of the Late Show studio audience and they show footage of a protester being taken away by the police, which that one was quite funny. <laughs> so they got a big <laughs> laugh out of the audience. <laughs>
2: Did you notice that he had a Joe Busters T-shirt on? Yes, I did. And, and I remember that, I, Tony I, I, Martin I, I, talking about that. To,
4: uh, it was stretched quite taut over that considerable gut as well.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I remember
2: <laughs> Tony talking about that in an interview or something, and he said that when he lived in Brisbane, he'd actually seen someone be arrested because they had a Joe Busters T-shirt on. <laughs> like, so, kind of the corruption up there at the
1: time.
0: So here we go and America has a new president Bill Clinton and throughout this is 1992 people so when you listen so yep Uh, throughout the campaign he fought off accusations Uh, he was unfaithful and uh, that's where they start playing grabs of uh, other bits and pieces such as uh, being an August Mercurio impersonator and it was just Bill losing his voice and that joke didn't go anywhere and also being a crappy saxophone player and George Bush admits defeat alongside Barbara Bush. <laughs> now, this is a very clever usage of a bit of a um, news clip, really, because they say that the supporters were offering advice, splicing uh, footage of crowd members showing uh, holding a sign showing, uh, your flag is too small, and then Barbara acknowledging it. That was a quick yeah. little visual joke, yeah. She
4: was like, what's that? Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she was sort of that, waving off the basically... camera and, and sort of like mapping the words thank you and nodding. Like, it was very
1: convincing.
6: Yeah. <laughs> it, it's the sort of die you old bag joke <laughs> at, <laughs> yes. again, but that's okay. It's still funny.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, Ross Perot, poopy pants, uh, was <laughs> up to his old tricks. Poopy <laughs> dancing with his wife, dancing with his daughter, and dancing with reality. It's him holding a shovel. And uh, Perot entertained the crowd, uh, with various bits. I've got
3: a theme song for our campaign, and here it comes, just listen to it. So people got,
4: I was wondering what what the heck uh, uh, that Randy Newman song uh, was replacing. That because uh, uh, then in the footage, Ross Perot just gives this big belly laugh. Which, which sort of sells the um, the replacement uh, song there, but I'm I'm wondering what the original would have been.
0: Well, according to uh, his campaign song from 1992, uh, Ross Perot had "Crazy" by Willie Nelson. Jeez! <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, but then again, it's Wikipedia, so you take whatever you maybe. want grain of salt. <laughs> so yeah, maybe. And, some,
1: and, you and, and Ross Perot there, wanted yeah, to win yeah. with that.
0: Yeah. Jeez. And yeah, Bill had Don't Stop, and this is the moment at two of them. So, but then again, we find out later on uh, the Bill Clinton one uh, later on in the episode. The British PM, John Major, uh, is having a bad week. I guess this one you got a kick out of, didn't you, Alison? Because I'm, I'm only saying this because I'm stereotyping you. You're in the UK.
1: <laughs>
6: it was fun. Well, yeah, ev- ev- everyone enjoys a John Major joke, and, and they're jokes are plenty about John Major at
2: at the time like the bit about does he have a moustache or not <laughs> yeah. that's
5: a recurring joke which is always enjoyable <laughs> yeah. I,
2: I, think, I think the line I've always
6: most enjoyed about the, that Tony's John Major song was he looks like a bloke who should be out spotting trains yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because he does. He really, really
0: does. But they were also pointing out the fact that he had to uh, walk across the road because the microphones were in the wrong place. Which... Press
2: aid, put them on the wrong side. Yeah, I like that. But the Mormon... It was a bloody long walk to the microphones.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but the, him being stopped by two Mormons outside of number 10 was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Now Prime Minister Keating complaining about TV showing too much sex and violence and he wants to the old classifications updated. So you have the originals.
5: Oh, there's G for general exhibition. PGR for parental guidance recommended or AO for adults only. Um, and then, obviously, there are some revised ones, which is OTS, odd tit shot. And then uh, you can BLP, beware, lifestyle program. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes,
2: please.
4: They were spreading like wildfire in the early 90s lifestyle program, so I, can, I completely uh, understand why they uh, were so frustrated. Like reality yes. ones.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Need a BRP. <laughs> yeah. But I'm assuming this is when we went from AO to like M15 plus and R rated. Is that right?
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I still yeah. can't watch the Australian Open without thinking of adults only. Yeah,
2: I prefer <laughs> AO. <That's> funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't just
6: add, it wasn't just the kind of letters that they had. They also added all those extra things like you know occasional nudity and and sort of foul language or whatever. And and so so you had like you know, M-rated or whatever. But then it would have this long list of all the bad things in it, you know. Mm. Um, So it got increasingly complicated, sort of those classifications.
0: So, uh, yeah, military news and women in defence forces will be allowed to serve in the front line. And test results uh, were Jane scanning for mines a la vacuuming. (laughs) This one is... uh... Very cringeworthy. Even Tommy acknowledges it. And, uh, and also yeah. Jane acting like a flight attendant on an aircraft carrier.
6: Yeah. Yeah, what what Tommy says is don't spend the entire afternoon doing crappy military sketches is what he
1: says.
6: <laughs> so,
1: uh, yeah. Yep. And
4: yeah, all, all this reminds me of uh, is the, the sketch back from episode uh, six uh, where there was the first female member of the reserve bank board, which was sort of similarly... Uh, again, it was sort of... Uh, trying to well yeah like it was it was sexist but it was it was trying to say that those people over there are sexist not the writers of the sketch and
1: yeah yeah,
4: i
2: think it's it's appropriate like i remember asking the navy can i join the navy probably around this era really and um yeah they said here's a brochure and they circled one thing it was cook Oh. So
4: oh, yeah, she's like. Wow. Wow. Well, hopefully, we, we have come a hell of a long way since. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: this. laughs> I hope so. Mm. <laughs>
6: yes. Well, ju- just look at what's happening in federal parliament. you know we can see how much Australia's progressed. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh gosh. Now Robert De Niro has been cleared of a paternity case and he's not the father of a 10year- old girl. And yeah, that one's on the Best Bits DVD, where it's just Robert <laughs> De Niro looking tough, wearing pigtails, Photoshop pigtails. And you have in Iran, Muslim extremists raise bounty on author Salman Rushdie, and uh, Rushdie does not know why they want him dead and denies it has anything to do with his new book. <laughs> Which uh, then cut the camera cuts to a really awkward uh, written piece saying, "Hey Iran, go and get yeah something yeah yeah." <laughs> With very, the, with the very,
4: very very, well chopped into the, the real footage though
0: Yeah, because of salmon actually going through a book So, gotta say that And a thing certainly placed in a, over a certain letter of a certain word
4: and and you can you can see the the glee in Tom's eyes that he's managed to, to get away with with getting just up to the line of of the AO rating that, yeah. that he's, he's managed to to almost get the F word on screen yeah in, in, intentionally this time not uh, not on the pages of a
0: M- Madonna book accidentally
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> episode fifteen people you got to listen yeah. to that yeah. Uh, product recall: Mistral fans are recalled as they are faulty. And Tommy G and Tommy G demonstrates after he tries to start the fan, it catches the light, and he goes, "Yep, it's faulty because of wo- it stands a bit wobbly." Now, this one, um, this this is the time when we all had, well, my family had a Mistral fan, and when they gave off a couple of serial numbers, they're saying destroy it, and that's when we took it out the back and did Office Space style and took it out. <laughs>
6: <laughs> did, did you did you kind <laughs> of blow it up repeatedly as in this sketch? Yes.
0: <laughs> well it was a bit wobbly, so we did have to uh put it down as humane as possible.
6: <laughs> I, I, I suspect based on what Tom says at the end of this sketch that, that Aaron Beaucare went a bit nuts in terms of, you know, blowing the fan up multiple times.
2: It's a cause... very, very funny explosion, isn't it? It's, it's, almost, it's, like,
1: it's
2: almost like one of those roadrunner like Acme, um dynamite things going, shh, you know, it just sort of goes, yes. you know, on fire, on fire, even a bit more explosion, and then the final sort of fiery ball. And you just, yeah. I can't believe they did this in front of a live studio audience. We imagine the heat. Yeah, yeah. I cannot believe it actually succeeded as well, because I'm assuming it worked first time. There was no second time.
0: No, we'll one see. if
4: any In the opening introduction, uh, Tony and Mick remarked that there's no couches on the set. And I think considering the <laughs> seven or eight unexpected, the big explosions, that's the reason why there's no couch on the set. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because that,
4: that, that would have just gone of the
0: if any of the, um, mm. yeah, if any of the uh, sparks caught it. Caught it yeah. alive. Now we've got uh, the sport and the spring racing carnival climax. Stupid hat day. Late entry winner from Moscow. And uh, they show footage of Boris Yeltsin. So there you go.
4: They were truly hideous hats that they that they culled from the actual footage from from the spring racing car. So I'm not much of a follower of fashion, but I'm pretty sure the, yeah. the, the, the
0: millinery nowadays is a lot more muted.
2: It was pretty wild um, millinery there. Like, it was amazing.
0: Now, this one, uh, they happened to do it very quickly, <laughs> uh, where they gone straight from the news desk and then suddenly have everything set up for this sketch, which is uh, US President Bill Clinton, newly elected, Coming into the studio with all the streamers and bells and whistles and everything to, uh, you know, uh, Fleetwood Mac's uh, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow.
4: Yeah. And, that, and, and all of that uh, stupidly long entrance uh, gets cut out of the, the DVD version. Yeah.
0: Basically, because they didn't want to pay Fleetwood Mac, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Clinton uh, is uh, Rob and uh, Jane plays Hillary.
6: Do you notice who some of the Secret Service people are? Obviously, you've got Jason and Santo, but also Mark Gibson, the producer of the late show, is one of the other Secret Service men. Yeah. So you can spot him as well. He he was he had a previous cameo in in the program a couple of weeks ago. This is this is great. It's it's really spectacular how they kind of come through the audience, and the audience have all got kind of Clinton Gore banners and stuff. It's really well
0: done. And there's plenty of jokes about womanizing, applauding midway through. <laughs> Sentences and oh. Coke versus Diet Pepsi. Yeah. Yep. And he,
6: he promises no no more Police Academy films. So. so. <laughs> I can't believe you've got that sound. I can't believe you have
0: that. Sorry? <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm full of sound bites tonight.
4: Clinton didn't try hard enough because there was one more sequel after 1992. Yes, yeah. there was. There Mission, was one on there. Also. Mission to there Moscow. Was a, there was there was also because again I I looked this up. There was also a, um, a syndicated TV series of twenty six uh, uh, one hour time slots uh, in ninety seven ninety eight as well. Yep. And there's 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 also the the threat that there there'll be uh, an eighth uh, movie, but that's been in development oh, yeah. for quite a long time.
0: Clinton sees himself as a president of, in the style of JFK, and then he gets shot at. Uh, and then he goes, no, 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 wait, Jimmy Carter. And then there's also how he keeps losing his voice, so he will do his policy speeches via. Mr. President, like are phone. you suspicious of EEC <laughs> trade policies? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: It's a great moment. Because
1: there's
6: so much props in after that. Well, it? I'm going to yeah. hang on to this one. <laughs> I love the bit where he he looks into the into the kind of mouth of the saxophone yeah. you-
2: <laughs> to what's, what's wrong? He brings it back by grabbing sort of um, Jane's arm and just sort of making the crowd. Oh, you know how I'm always awful about the audience. Um, I would have to say this is one of the greatest late show audiences because later, they're so good in this sketch, they really make it and later they actually sing along to Mud. Yeah, they do, don't they? Oh, yes. <laughs> <Stay> <laughs>
5: yeah, in the background.
1: Stay tuned. I just the...
2: wanted to props to the audience because they're amazing in this sketch and I think they make
5: it really great. Yeah.
0: Mm, especially
5: it's... when they laughed mid-sentence and they actually got that right. The timing was perfect. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and he'll be the first president since JFK to bring Sachs back into the White House. So, yeah, that's um, all. Uh, Again,
4: how, how, how prophetic uh, was that, yeah, considering all the stuff that was uh,
0: to come, yeah. yeah. Mm. Other than uh, Clinton being in the house, you have the commercial of over-the-top chemistry set. So, Yeah, uh, and this is an Aaron bouquet specialty.
2: Again, mm-hmm. I remember because I didn't have any other um, episodes on tape around this time... I remember watching this and going, where are all the other over-the-top um, segments? Because they look so amazing. You know how hey, you only ever got small snippets of it, you know, like Tony falling over a couch or something? And, you know, and I was so intrigued. Like, I want to see all the over-the-tops. <laughs> this one's really great, but it doesn't have them in it. No, it's so, like, just the kids. These, yeah, you got these kids.
0: They're not even piss kids. They're just kids
2: proper proper actors <laughs> yeah.
0: and do you have the list of uh, what they had in the chemistry set anyone
6: they can make lsd they they can do things with plutonium um basically yeah everything from drug making to full-on nuclear war and and anything else you can yeah. imagine that you could oh. potentially make with a chemistry set so th- this is probably one of the most foolhardy and dangerous um chemistry
4: available to small children
2: uh but only mm-hmm. if you're over 25 also, there's, there's
4: there's one of the most disturbing props ever made in in this <laughs> sketch. Mustard the the, gas. Yeah, the mustard gas. Which, it's this sort of yeah, mustard coloured uh, uh, fog coming out of the ass of a stuffed dog. That's sort of lying down <laughs> on a bench. It's just. <laughs> it's a glorious
2: artist piece. That's what it is. <laughs> Who thinks about that? And then somebody has to construct that. Mustard Gas Dog should be in Mona.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's the only chemistry set with a half-life.
1: <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah, But there was actually, um, because my my boss brought this to my attention during April Fool's, but there was a a toy called the Gilbert U-238 Atomic Energy Laboratory, which is actually um, a radioactive toy. (laughs) 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 Um, You could could watch nuclear and chemical reactions using radioactive material. Um, But, yeah, you can Google it. And you'll find out (laughs) it doesn't seem it's one of the top ten dangerous toys of all time. So maybe this was modelled on. uh, Yeah, did it come out in the nineties? Oh, it was in nineteen (laughs) fifty. So (laughs) when people didn't know any better. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Now it's to the lounge, and Tommy G he confesses that he hates musicals, and so this whole concept now is if his life was based around a musical or a musical based on his life, really, because he has the most boring life. He bags out Andrew Lloyd Webber because he's obviously writing on the fame of uh, Phantom of the Opera, Cats, and I guess because of the what's going on with, at the time, Jesus Christ Superstar. And, um, yeah, it's just musical central mm. during 1992. Well, what he wants to do is he just wants to do his day-to-day activities such as having breakfast and then, bam, they... Bring out the singers for that one, as well as Checking the Mailbox.
2: Oh, that is such a great performance by Rob as the postie. (laughs) (laughs) He really leans into that one. I love it.
5: Yeah. I love when he says, wedding invitation, and kind of nods (laughs) knowingly, like, you're going to have a good part time. And then he just goes on about gas bills and,
0: (laughs) (laughs) opening the mail. Can I point out one thing with when he's getting uh, a litre of milk? I have to give credit to Jane. Because I've got a sample here of her singing. She's a really good singer.
1: He walked into the milk He said no, I just like regular. Yes. He paid me and I gave the milk to him. Would you like a bag with that?
2: <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. This is probably pre auto tune, isn't it? Like, this is legit.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah, every, everybody else is, is pretty much minding to, to some other singer. Mm. No, it's amazing.
2: And it's a very, very funny. Like, first of all, can we comment on how elaborate the set is for this musical? <laughs> no. And it obviously took them a while to produce because wasn't this the set that um, Julie and Clary appeared on in the previous week's episode? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Yeah. But, like, there are some really great songs in this. Obviously, they're rip-offs of, you know, ALWs. Yeah, so
4: yeah, so the the, the first one uh, where they're making toast is a, a, a stylistic parody of the Phantom of the Opera. Checking the letterbox was uh, music of the night from the same um, from the same musical. Um, the milk bar one I think might have been All I Asked of You, which is also from Phantom. I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't work out what the the next one, which is uh, taking the clothes off the washing line, what that was a parody of. I,
2: no,
6: that, that's, um, that's, that's all well and ever was there ever. A cat so clever as Magical Beast. Oh, yeah. Cats. Oh, uh, see, I, yeah. I, I, I've never
4: yeah. seen Cats, not even, not even uh, oh. the third of that uh, movie version, so. <laughs> <Not> oh, <even. laughs> gosh, I, yeah, I went
5: there with my child, so I actually have seen it at the movies. <laughs> I, I've seen that film as
6: well, and it's very, very bad film. <laughs>
0: I'm glad that you uh, all have experience in musicals because I only knew that Phantom of the Opera one.
5: And what about the Jason one? I am the gas man. <laughs> no. Rack off.
2: Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, superstar, so right? cruelly cut off. <laughs> yeah.
6: But yeah, th- this sketch must have taken weeks because, you know, they've got to write the kind of sounder like songs, they've got to record them all, and then they've got to film themselves swimming to it. And they've got dances and elaborate sets. Mm. And- And yeah this must have taken days and days of their time to do this and and the result is pretty good i think considering it's obviously done on a fairly low budget
1: Mm. Mm.
2: and also i think the comedy in that um going to buy the liter of milk one is great like i love the way like this the chemistry between tom and jane is just magic isn't it it's like no? no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't look you in the eye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and also putting out the bins, that was that was Jesus Christ Superstar, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And a, a truckload of dry ice. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so speaking of musicals, this is the best, as you mentioned earlier, Prue. we yeah. yeah.
4: come from Cooper's Crossing and
0: Darwin in the South. Dusty flames of penis fail to the Murapigis mouth Through bushland, oh, snakes Virginia, drizzle, and tinier, drizzle will and I
4: know it will hold them back when someone cries out oh, We'll give our sweat and blood Though our backs may break, our beards are fake, will all pretend the sex don't shaking
2: awesome. So unprompted. Yeah, levels. I love that so much. They must have given them an extra serve of West Coast cooler in the because <laughs> <green room. laughs> <laughs> this, this audience is.
6: I had a vision of like Annie Marva with the lyrics on one of her big cards (laughs) and kind of pointing along, and and they all have to follow the lyrics or
0: something. But
2: but maybe I get the feeling that it's just off the cuff, like they're just they're into it. Yeah, Yeah,
0: love it. Credit to the audience, the audience have won this episode.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. So it is episode 16, the bad acting epidemic of 1852. And uh, the mud diggers are playing snap at the bar. So that was the yeah. <laughs> best snap player in the mud fields. And uh, <laughs> so the uh, loser. So, I love that one. That's one of my favourite quick joke. Bam's gone. Uh, the loser player claims the winning player can't stage an unconvincing fight scene. So this is where they've just gotten, I guess, footage <laughs> of random shit that's going on and thinking, how the hell can they? Piece this all together.
2: It's so great, this scene. It's like, you know, they didn't even really need to write for this particular bit because the unrealistic fight scene is what it says on the tin. Like, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And all you really need to do is just play the scene and watch it for what it is. It's terrible. It's like people just throwing themselves across the room for, for no, no apparent reason. reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely no contact with anyone.
0: <laughs> but I love it when the uh, police uh, show up and Sergeant Olden with the uh, police sirens going off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Sergeant Olden's just uh, telling him, Look what you've done. You better tell him, Ma uh, Olden. And then uh, Nolan Donner is Ma Olden, really? <laughs> I mean, Jane, uh, telling him the bad news that, you know, they've triggered Front Bottom to overact in the next scene. Yeah, this is just all about front bottom being accused of uh, bad acting, and he's really, really, really upset about it. And then it cuts to a whole bunch of out- oh, and people falling asleep, I should say too. So uh, yeah, and then there's also two out of towners who come in and realise that um, they want to be part of the show. You know, oh, this is where they filmed the olden days. So.
4: <laughs> and then and then and then cut
0: to a, a sign that's been spliced in there:
4: a false mustache is preferred. That yeah. was
0: my MySpace Donovan. profile image For a long time
5: Oh, MySpace?
0: Yeah <laughs> And then, yeah, Terence Donovan they, I guess they just noticed Terence Donovan Being in the show and they go How the hell can we use him? I know, we'll read out his resume
2: And the funniest parts of it
0: <laughs>
4: uh, Glenview High, Holiday Islands Taurus Rising, Kings Are you being served down under? Wow. And, they, and and they they also try not to mention his 711 ads <laughs> which I have lot no
2: of but I need to see immediately
4: <laughs> there is one that exists on YouTube if you type in Terry Donovan 711 I'll be doing
2: that later thank you for that
4: <laughs> like it's, it's 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 him in a suit walking through 711 getting snacks and saying that they're open for the Melbourne Cup holiday
0: he must have been yeah paid well a this penny. is the
2: this is probably the start of the Jeff Kennett lifestyle with everything open anytime on Sunday. But I tell you
4: what, Terry acted the shit out of that act. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the two strangers wanted a scene in the olden days and he goes, I just got you in, gentlemen. From bottom changes his ways of making people fall asleep while acting so he gets the guy who lost at the snap game as a bit of a test run. From
3: now on, I'm speaking only in the language of today's youth. Comprende, daddy-o? How they hanging, mud dude? Far out, Brussels Sprout. Having trouble with the fuzz? Then chill out, homeboy. <laughs> hmm.
2: I love that one, far out, Brussels Sprout. Like, how dated is that, how, how dated is that one now? Like, I sometimes say that to my kids and they just,
4: like, run a mile. Like, who are you? And what are you saying?
0: And how white...
4: As well. Yeah, there. Oh, there is yeah. something about um, having all of those uh, much more futuristic uh, sayings being said in that English accent. It does remind me of uh, the sketches which came much later by Armstrong and Miller of those two World War Two pilots yes, who talk yes. in the who talk in slang, but uh, in very clipped English accents.
2: Yes, yes. it's also got my favourite line in, which is "Cat got your tongue, eh?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, now it's time for Countdown Classics, and Jane and Tom are dancing to Dan Hartman Instant Replay. I'm uh, not gonna, I don't it, have any grabs for this segment because, yeah, they'll be striken, struck down by copyright here.
5: Yeah, especially if they're just one hit wonders. They just got to make sure they get all the royalties <laughs> yeah, they
0: can get. Exactly. Well, we'll see,
5: we'll see,
1: point,
4: point of contention, maybe even a bit of pedantry here. Pedantry. I don't think Dan Hartman's a one hit wonder. Ooh, oh, I'm pretty head. sure he had no, no. He had "I Can Dream About You" in 1984. Oh, is "I that Can him? Dream About You." If I can't hold you tonight, I think
2: um, a one-hit wonder is still classified as a one-hit wonder if they only have like, you know, two songs or something, but they don't actually have an album and then a sec- follow-up. But you know, like that's still a one-hit wonder.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm
4: saying
0: I mean that it's sort of it's
4: sort of tooth fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, I mean I mean I mean, instant replay and I can dream about you are separated by about five years, but I mean uh, I, I think, think instant replay you know got into the top ten and I can dream about you was number three. So
0: yeah, you're right. Oh, that is pedantry. Pedantry. Mm. Oh. But 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 still, like uh, instant replay, it's
4: an it's an absolute banger. I gotta say, so I, I don't mind that they started countdown classics with it, and and also with that uh, that voiceover as well, saying yeah. saying coast yeah. to coast from rock to pop and went back, and it's nineteen seventy nine, the view magnificent. You're bar up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I was surprised we didn't hear that, but yeah, it just absolutely sets the mood for this segment. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think that all of these songs are
2: bangers, really. Even the um, Eurovision. You
5: know, the Brotherhood of Man one. The yeah. What was that? Save Your Kisses for Me. That's yes. a great song. Well, here's
0: the list, and we can discuss it. So we've got Roger Verduras, Get Used to It. Brotherhood of Man, Save Your Kisses for Me. And with the lead singer being an absolute hornbag.
1: <laughs>
0: Martin <laughs> Lee, and they're still active too. Uh, Bertie Higgins, Key Largo. Uh, Starland. Uh, who's, who's, who's
4: described by Tom as a white-suited buffhead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Starland vocal band, Afternoon Delight. Oh, and, uh, the, and the lead singer, Bill Dandoff. Yeah, doesn't he uh, look like a stud muffin? Um, <laughs> Joe Dolce, Shut Up Your Face. And Harpo, Movie Star. Yeah, those songs are straight up from the classic hit station. Definitely.
2: Mm. Yeah, mm. they
0: still get a run. There was another Sylvania Waters ribbing. In the yeah. Countdown Classics, right yeah. at the very end.
2: Oh, and also, oh. I need to mention um, a COVID-safe trigger that Tom did where he does the Roger Verduras <laughs> blowing Jane's face with his own... Uh, I
5: was like... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Nowadays, you're like, oh, please don't
1: do
0: that. <laughs> oh. Well, after Countdown Classics, we've got the sketch a very popular one at that, and that is the Mr. Whippy Grand Prix. And you mm. have the five races. You have Soft Serve at number one, Mister Yummy at number two, the Cone King at number three, Choc Top at number four, and Happy Gelati at number five.
5: Mm, which ones were you all going for?
0: Choc Top, <laughs> of course,
5: right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was more of a Hulos man myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, I, like, wow. like,
4: yeah, all the, all the, yeah, all, all the names. They're, they're a bit. Um, Stereotypical, let's put it. Conchulus, Tony D'Prano, Chris Apostolou, Zico Triptych, and the Christopoulos brothers. Gee, I wonder which countries they all come from. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but
4: it's which? True. Uh, which, which yeah, I, I, I didn't realize that that was that was a, a stereotype that was that was put towards Greeks and Italians. Yeah.
0: Let's just say that Santa not not like a
4: not a, not, not a bad one, I suppose.
0: Well, it's one of the most popular sketches, and that gets requested randomly to us. We don't have control over that. Okay, so <laughs> that's not us. Yeah, and then when it does get released or up on YouTube, ABC shuts it down. Oh,
2: yeah, it's such an an amazing sketch because what an enterprise, you know, to find all those Mr. Whippy Vans and then probably yeah, go there's, down to a, the there's, like, there's like there's like eight fans there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just do all this yeah. amazing stunt work. It's yeah. incredible.
6: Do you notice when there's the big crash where one of the Mr. Whippy vans crashes into a bunch of signs? So the signs are advertising the following late show things. Mm. So you, yeah, control. I, 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 I nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. So one,
6: of the, so one of the signs is over the top pest control. Another one is is true blue service stations. You might remember that. A few yeah, it was mm-hmm. there was that true blue. And I think, and I couldn't quite see it, but I think the final one is slack ass mechanics. Oh, it an is, easter yeah, egg!
4: Yeah. I've never noticed that. Yeah, yeah well, look, I, look I, out for it. I saw that going through the the frame advance on on the DVD, and yeah, it was mm. just uh, watching this again for the for the podcast that I noticed that. yeah
0: that little
4: easter egg!
0: Wow, that's really cool. Mm. Well, I might as well just rattle off what everyone knows about this with this sketch anyway, such as. Uh, Barry being in the pits and a team manager for the Soft Serve Vince team disqualified because they were meant to play Green Sleeves, you know, but they played Led Zeppelin's Three, and
2: much preferred. Yep,
0: and safety flags are out as there's Gelati on the track during the Mister Whippy cam. The Chock Top crash was replayed, and a pizza delivery car ran him off the track. So, and Soft Serve nearly wins, but the Lollipop Lady slows him down, and Mister Yummy won. So, Mr. Yummy being number two.
4: Damn, I've, I've lost my bet again. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we also get um, another uh, Annie Marva uh, cameo. Here, um according to the uh, DVD commentary, um, that's Annie's car as the pizza li- delivery um, car that uh, caused the crash uh, with
0: Annie riding in the passenger seat. Oh, fantastic! Mm. She delivering a Papa Luigi's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back to the stage with Mick still going on about Shakespeare and Looney Tunes cartoon square. He just won't let go. <laughs>
1: just
3: once. Just once. Just once. I wish Macbeth could catch that no. roadrunner.
1: No, just leave it Mick.
3: Just leave it. Although I like the thing about the witches being played by the Hair bear bunch. No, no, just leave it there. We'll leave it there. Now, look, did you see this footage during the week of Saddam Hussein? He he went out when he heard the US election result. He went out to the street and fired off the gun because he's lasted longer than Bush, he says. Now, you are our only Gulf War veteran... On this program, and does it bring back a lot of painful memories? Two years since the Gulf War. Yeah, there's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of anguish, Tony. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Really? Yeah. It's pain and anguish. A lot of pain and a lot hmm. of anguish. You're just remembering the Shakespeare thing from the intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: they a can't let you go. The gulf
3: save the Othello. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> there's Desdemona. The <laughs> we'll leave it. Pain and anguish. Pain and anguish. <laughs>
6: That's my favourite. Meet Oh Hello.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is pretty much the introduction to street theatre. Yeah, the the 1992
4: Street Theatre Awards. Um, and I should mention this is on the Bajas and Olden Days uh, DVD. And thankfully you don't have to go searching through the Easter eggs to get it. It's in the section marked Where's Me Bloody Extras.
2: Oh.
0: Ah. <laughs> well, there you go. So the... A, pretty much a rundown of what you need for your own street theatre. You have uh, you need an Uncle Sam, which is played by Rob. Uh, the skeletons, Jason and Jane play the skeletons in very uh, tight-fitting <laughs> clothing or costume. I will point out this one bit here. Thanks
3: for, thanks for coming along tonight. What? Is this a full-time job for you? Or? Uh, no, I'm a model for posters. Oh, you may me. have seen the one of me sitting on the dunny. Oh, that's a great... <laughs> on oh, the back of the toilet door. It's a me every time. <laughs>
0: Geez, nice what is she referring to? <laughs> episode one.
3: Get down to the news agents and check out the poster rack. And it's a time on a tradition term. That's looking chocker block. That one, Mick, and care to make any predictions as to what we'll find when we take a look inside? Uh, well, I'm not exactly going out in a limb here, but I'd say Marilyn Monroe is going to be in there, isn't she? Let's just say the piece of resistance, on the one we know for sure, is going to be in there. The skeleton on the toilet.
0: It all links. Yeah, exactly. This is like an yeah. Easter egg episode. Mm. Of all Easter eggs existed.
4: And, uh, yeah, you're, you're right about um, Jason and Jane um, uh, looking a bit sort of exposed uh, in those uh, tight-fitting skeleton costumes because I, I noticed, I noticed Jason's sort of got his hands sort of in front of his groin, his <laughs> like, like, like he's, he's trying to cover something up, and we, we only ever see him uh, from, from head to toe in sort of a very medium shot, and sort of any close-up shot, it's almost like Elvis Presley in that it's only from the waist up.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, and you also have Santo as the Grim Reaper, and you also need the wild card, the Peter Pan, which is Tom Gleisner. So, looking so
4: happy. Yep.
0: Yeah. And in the lead up to this podcast, I made an image of. Peter Pan, Tom Glazer, the Facebook page thing, just as a little Yeah, nugget. I saw that.
1: <laughs> there was
5: an Easter egg for the Easter eggs.
0: Exactly, yeah.
5: <laughs> and the audience was reading out various prompts. Uh, Nuclear Armageddon, also known as a typical night on the Steve Iazard program. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Rob, is, as Uncle Sam, sort of throwing imaginary, you know, explosions and capitalism and just, you know, being general evil. Although, to me, he looks more like Latter-day Billy Connolly in that get <laughs> 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 he does then, a bit, yeah. And then and then the, the, the skeletons choking themselves and uh the Grim Reaper just sort of men looking menacing and um uh yeah, Peter Pan uh Tom Gleisner just um yeah, just again not, not 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 cracking a smile and just standing awkwardly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then after they do the, all that performance, um, then Tony and Mick present the 1992 Toxie Award for the Excellence in Street Theatre and these are your nominees you have the terrifying collapsing girls from the Avalon Airshow protest the... who we've seen before in the news desk. yes we have, yeah uh, the brilliantly satirical baseball game from the US bases demonstration, the hauntingly observed frightened wallaby from the Tasmanian logging protest and that was creepy that costume <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The moving and poignant Edelston Medical Clinic protest with a uh, guest appearance from the Daffy Doctor. Overwhelming sense of impending doom felt by all who witnessed the caged chickens at the Meet His Murder rally. And the winner was the caged chickens.
2: This whole segment makes me really miss um, Student Street Theatre. Like, it's not so much a thing anymore. It's so, more yeah. pure rage.
6: <laughs> well, Extinction Rebellion, though. You know they yeah, they do yeah. a lot of street theater stuff it, it's, it's a different style though they they have those kind of who are those people who dress up in red and they kind of dance around it? they don't they don't sort of act out scenes anymore. It's more kind of coordinated dress up things that they do yeah,
4: yeah. like we, we, we still have protests, but we, yeah there doesn't, doesn't seem to be a theater element and yeah I was thinking of, of extinction rebellion when when uh, when you were uh, when they were talking about the theater of it. Well, like they—they the last thing they did, I think it might have been a couple of weeks ago in Adelaide, was to sort of blockade a, a, an intersection and dance around. And like the week before that, they uh, a few people glued themselves to the road. And like even that, there's not that much theatre about it. There was certainly no, uh, you know, inexplicable character standing nearby.
2: <laughs> yeah, like what does he, what does Tony say? What was Santa up to there?
4: <laughs> well yeah, that was that was in the, the, the winner of, of the nineteen ninety two Toxie Award was for the caged chickens and it was yeah pretty much because there was a completely inexplicable Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Basically
2: whatever costume they have down the two dollar shop, just yep. grab it.
6: <laughs> See, this is where Extinction Rebellion's gone wrong. They they don't have their inappropriate Santa Claus.
4: No. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: There we go, get on it. So yeah, straight after the uh, street theatre stuff was street interviews. And this is one of the most popular street interviews done. And in fact, Kim, you might have uh, some stuff to do with this as well because this is all about the best dressed and worst dressed people poll that Who Weekly magazine conducted.
5: That's right. I actually have a copy of the the very 1992 Who Weekly magazine, which is available on the Champagne Comedy website if anyone wants to look, purely for, you know, historical purposes. No copyright infringement <laughs> intended. So um, th- th- this was the inaugural um, West and West Dress for Who Weekly, and there was a special panel which actually looked at the photos and gave their various verdicts. Um, the people on the panel this year included... Uh, Everyone's favourite reality show star, Nolene Donohue, yeah.
1: <laughs> As
5: well as multimedia bathmat, Agro. You had uh, Tanya Lacey, Shadwick's model manager, Peter Shadwick. Um, you had uh, Melbourne celebrity hairdresser, and tease Lillian Frank, ex-noise work superstar, John Stevens. And um, you had Leona Ed- Edmiston and one and a half of the savvy Morrissey Edmiston designing duo. So they actually gave their own verdicts on the, uh, on the various celebrities and how badly dressed they were, but obviously Mick and Tony had um, some some more savvy <laughs> people on the street who were able to give some very succinct and um, memorable observations of the various clothes that people were wearing, such as Elton John, uh, Danny Minogue, and uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> and also- there's some
5: really classic quotes
0: and also yeah, this, this person. Is
2: a great street
3: talk. <laughs> Who would you class as Australia's worst dressed person? Bloody Jeff Kennett. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, listen to that with wild applause as well. Yeah.
6: I have seen yeah. that I feel like hundreds of times and I'd laugh at it every single time because we all we all know what this is really about, you know, the the, the sort of almost immediate frustration upon his election amongst Victorians of, of Jeff Kennett and his policies and just the anger this guy feels and, and the way he delivers it and then just pisses off immediately. Yeah. It's,
1: mm.
5: it's yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, I, it was really, um, when I watched that today, I've always laughed at it, but I actually thought, God, I really feel his frustration because even mm. now the whole Jeff Kennett policy scarring is still feeling the effects like the fact that he closed down an infectious diseases hospital like right you know when we needed it 30 years later like it's just Mm. insane but yeah, it's great.
0: You're a true, true Melbourneite, there, aren't you, Pru? <laughs> yeah,
2: mm. totally. I, like even now, I'm feeling the rage. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and where did they actually film this? Because someone asked on the uh, on the, the various um, uh, I'm posts
2: that sure I've. Oh, it's of always Ackland Street. Actually, I think one time yeah, I'd have been confused and thought it was Glen Huntley Road, but I think it's always Ackland Street. Uh, yeah, I, I went
1: and
4: uh, had a listen to the DVD commentary, and they did say it was Ackland Street.
5: Mm. Ah, there you go. I've expanded my vocabulary in this sketch. Uh, Doyen, I had no idea when I when I watched it as a teenager what that meant. And uh, schmutter, there you go. Oh, like a
0: a great <laughs> he looks like
6: a
5: schmutter. Yeah.
0: Too many parliamentary members.
4: <laughs> yeah, that guy, that that guy who, who just uh, sees a microphone and just uh, a, a bit like the, the bloody Jeff Kennett guy. It didn't matter what the question was; he was going to get out get out his thing about. Having too many parliament members in state and federal <laughs> governments yeah.
0: and also uh, the guy who <laughs> who probably shouldn't have confessed that he would actually you know wear the dress that Daryl Hannah had or was it don't even know
1: No no
4: it was it was Daryl Hannah I don't know if it was like it looked a bit like the birth of Venus <laughs>
5: uh, But I don't, yeah. like, I, don't,
4: I don't know if it was based on that directly but gee it, it, it leaves nothing to the imagination. All
5: right. Very suitable for a funeral.
2: I really like the woman with the weird shopping uh, cart who's, who's commenting on Susan Renouf. Yeah. And it's quite funny she's the way quite... she said she looks like she's put everything she owns on at once. That's
1: <laughs> the
2: best. That is such a cutting remark.
1: Yeah.
6: I, the- I think. Um, my favourite is is the old woman, and and they show her pictures of Elle McPherson, and she says, "Yeah, she's all right." And, and she's <laughs> yeah. she, she's kind of like a sort of like a Barry Humphreys character, you know. She, <laughs> she reminds me slightly of um, Sandy Stone. Yeah, she yeah, she reminds yes. she reminds me a lot of Sandy Stone. That woman, that, just the way that she speaks and and that sort of yeah, she's she's absolutely brilliant. But yeah, if anyone knows um what schmutter you know what, what, <laughs> looks what like it looks like it's such a it, it sounds like kind of like jewish or yiddish kind of slang mm. but anyway, if anyone knows what that means
5: mm. yeah if you it look know. it up you google it it says uh worthless worthless material or rubbish and clothing <laughs> and garments um in 1950s from yiddish Schmut, which means rag uh-huh. so it did <laughs> just sound a very yiddish, disheveled yeah. unkempt Person, yes. which
2: is incredibly harsh, because the man is wearing nice brown slacks, a, a, a knitted vest, and a brown blazer. It's like shit, mate. <laughs> that is like <laughs> a thousand percent better than the way I wear things down Ackland Street.
5: <laughs> and but
2: there's the a... right, um, Alison, like, there's so many great comedy-sounding voices and just humans that are amazing, like comedy characters, like mm, the guy yeah. who says like they ask him would you wear that and he goes not mm. at all not at any time
5: yeah <laughs> it's, it's different it's way out <laughs> it gives a lot of people you know, pleasure <laughs> and then, would you wear yeah, that one for a dare one. would you wear that for a dare i probably would
0: <laughs> just as a matter but of
5: fact woman,
6: <laughs> yeah, we've got that route comments the woman who comments on Susan Renouf. I mean that. Mm. That's yeah. That's <laughs> She's weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that, the, that sort of this was a popular look, like though. That, that kind of the Paris, the parachute silk tracksuit <laughs> mm. yeah. with the low high heels. You yeah, know, that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember looked
2: looked used to have a yeah. really great joke, which was all oh, the baby parachutes that died to make that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I also really like the woman who, um, when she is asked, what do you think about John? This is the twi- Teen Queens one. She goes, no, I don't like any of it. Oh, what don't you like? Oh, the pants, <laughs> the boots, there, the jacket.
0: Has to go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Next segment.
2: Shirty, the slightly
1: aggressive bear.
0: And to sum this one up, it's basically Shirty turning into the... Terminator. Mm-hmm.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, what goes on in Shirty's mind and apparently he's the Terminator?
0: Well, it was around the time when Terminator 2 had. Uh, well, it was Terminator 2 Fever, really. Mm. Well, what, when did that come out? Uh, Terminator 2 yeah, came no, out in 1991. I thought sure that was 90. 90, not, oh, 91. Yeah. 91. So, But everyone was still riding mm. high on it, so it was very popular on, on the VHS routine. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Edward
5: Furlong
2: was still in all the TV hits. Uh, oh,
5: yes. He was, yeah. Yes. I had a post of Edward Furlong on my wall. Yep. I remember thinking, oh, he's only a few months <laughs> older than I am. <laughs> Maybe yeah, he, he was around Four. our age, wasn't Yeah, he? yeah. it yeah, yeah.
2: was, was eligible. But remember he went out with Punky Brewster? This is all very, very he? fascinating conversation. <laughs> i not edit this out, by the way.
6: All right. <laughs> like, like, hang on, Edward Furlong and Punky Brewster, That
5: yeah. that is a weird couple, that is a yeah. weird no, mm. no,
1: I had a an autographed
5: bad. card from Punky Brewster because I sent her a letter when I was a child and she sent it back
0: Salil <laughs> oh, like Moon Fry yeah. Wow, you look at the photo, oh god they look all good
2: Yeah, no, they look very much like they'd had a few uh, party substances
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Shirty, Terminator, and everyone was still in Terminator Fever. There we go. So uh, yep. now we have Grayman. And,
4: and, and so I was, I was just going to say, on the screen it says the words, uh, Ask the Vista Miss Tammy, which I didn't know that that was the name of the, the character that Jane plays.
0: I think it was, they mentioned Tammy at the very beginning or something like that, but I could never find it again when I've been trying to search it down for my notes. Mm. So um, I'm glad that you brought that up now. that So if Shirty does appear again... Uh, but I'd like the chances of it, like uh, space. Fa- oh no, there is one more because I I know that there's one that we haven't mentioned yet, but I'll explain that later, Spoiler yeah. alert So uh, yeah, well, at least we know now that it will be Tammy, Miss Tammy.
4: Yep, and and also they they, they give Jane these very odd lines uh, to to cover all of the um, uh, vision of uh, Shurdy as Robo Shurdy looking at uh, Miss Tammy talking about you know I bet he thinks of honey and teddy bear picnics. It's just
1: it's yeah.
4: such it's, it's it's such weird writing. I've got to say,
1: mm.
2: and also Shirty's very schizophrenic, isn't he? I mean, one week he's groping Jane, feeling her right up. Now he's like putting her in his sights to kill her. Like it's it's trending.
0: <laughs> well, now we've got Graham in the Colonel, and Spring Carnival comes to a close. Well done, Sub Zero! Hooray! And uh, foodish him, and uh, he's the are flummoxed. Yeah, there's another one for the whiteboard. Mm, yeah. Flaming Star, uh, and he's already gone grey, and it's four years old. So, <laughs> <laughs> ah, well. I think
4: I think I think you need to break out the drums again for the for the news desk and Graham and the Colonel.
0: Yeah, hold on. Oh yeah, There we go. So, yeah, all right, I've got that lined up. <laughs> yeah, you'll certainly need these when
6: we get to the camera functions bit.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I will mention one thing. I do have the camera one here, which is Colonel. Uh, was the official finishing photographer. All the photos came out all blurry though. <laughs> and the horse's <laughs> eyes came out all red because he used a flash, you know, the yep, you know, one uh, the Z-talk <laughs> camera. But I'm only playing this because of what happens Behind in the background during this, mm. so use your imagination. But then again, it's in the DVD.
3: You've got a top quality camera. camera. The Zetor. The oh, Zetor. <laughs> That's a magnificent piece of photographic equipment. It's state of the art, isn't it? It's like a, the flash goes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it will be Let's just go through that flash thing again, yes, <laughs> because some of the people I don't weren't think concentrating. No, no, no I just don't we think we they rep- know what the Zetor is.
1: <laughs> hey, hang on by my cameras by my cameras It's
3: okay, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to ring up my dinner.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: anyway, <laughs> wonderful to see the Melbourne Cup fashions making an appearance here on our show.
4: Anyway, let's carry on. Where were we? Um where It'll you? be interesting
3: to um, <laughs> find where we actually are. Yeah. <laughs> we were speaking of the Zetor. The right. Zetor, they are fine it's manufacturers they make of tractors <laughs> and cameras. That's very good, <laughs> and it be interesting to see you ever go. No, I'll hang back and let you. I wonder where where we get our parts now that the Soviet Union's broken up. That was all
0: because the Grim Reaper had walked behind him.
4: And, uh, yeah, according to the DVD commentary, yeah, they just pushed Michael Hirsch out in the Grim um, Reaper get-up and, uh, yeah, unbeknownst to uh, Robin Santo. And, uh, yeah, you can see the the absolute genuine laugh in that
5: uh,
4: with, uh, yeah, uh, Rob as frame just absolutely keeling over.
5: <laughs> yeah, he just loses it. <laughs> he recovers
6: very well, though, doesn't he? And they, they mm. carry... The sketch, but but when he does crack up, it is it is absolutely yeah. brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so, other parts of Graham and the Colonel are they're tipping, they're showing the tipping proof of the Melbourne Cup, and that's when they do the multiple takes. And um, yeah, the Adelaide Grand Prix are uh, for a street circuit; they get a good run with all the lights. <laughs> <So that'll> take- <laughs>
4: I, I, I love the line uh, from the Colonel, Adelaide comes alive, thank God.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah, that was great.
0: There is a flummox that, that, was that the, one too. That
4: was the
6: slogan. That was the slogan at the time, though. It was Adelaide alive, exclamation yeah. mo-
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Yo, way to go! <laughs>
2: <laughs> the delivery of that just really gets you, doesn't it?
1: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's
2: ramped up to 11. <laughs> Beautiful so- sarcasm there. <laughs>
0: So other sports stories are congratulations to Lisa Onieke, uh winning the New York Marathon. <laughs> she was running second until the leader got mugged. <laughs> so, yeah, but there's plenty of police. Uh, Barney Miller, Hill Street Blues, Cagney and Lacey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Moving and, on. Yeah. Bill Clinton uh, is, and here they go, off-sport. Bill Clinton is president-elect, and we use the Westminster system. They use, (laughs) the US uses balloon and streamer system for their elections. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And ABC's Picnic in the Park. Uh, Celebrities that may not be well-known there, uh, like, because they don't have their Ray Martins and young events, Uh, they got, like, the bloke from the movie show, which is John Hind. And um, yeah, the guy who looks like the doctor from GP—I've always thought that Clive Hale. <laughs> Clive Hale, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember, you never
1: saw a
6: photograph of the two of them together, did you? So
0: <laughs> No, especially when they play GP on after the news when he would be, I think he'll be hosting at the time or whatever like that. It's just like, how, how the hell does he do the news and then so, suddenly be a doctor? So, <laughs> nice. uh, yeah. And the guy who, that used to be on 60 Minutes, which I got George Negus. So, uh, and
4: it, it, it looked like there was a fourth photo there. I couldn't work out who they were apart from just me and a couple of people but they just they they abandoned that either either the fourth one wasn't a, a good enough joke or they'd run
0: out of time I'd say they would have been running out of time because of what's coming up in the closing more stuff to do with Picnic in the Park they were in Parramatta and get out your whiteboards yeah <laughs> so uh, they are celebrating uh, 60 years of the ABC at the time Transport was a golf buggy and uh, then they had the investigators tent and also the ho- holiday tent which was uh, I guess an ABC getaway type show at the time I didn't do my research on that one yeah I remember Holiday Yeah, and the Film Australia tent with Jane having a bit of a stab with Film Australia because they were displaying the latest screen successes and it was just an empty wall yeah. <laughs> blank, blank, blank video screens yeah, yeah. and uh, the Friends of ABC tent which <laughs> was eight.
2: it a tent or a bad uh, gazebo <laughs> yeah like <'cause laughs> it was about to fall over
0: yeah and there's only like two people who just hang nearby it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the ABC Personality Tent, which George Negus, Richard Moorcroft, Tim Bowden, and Andrew Denton. And uh, so, and Rob was uh, rubbing shoulders with them.
2: Can we talk about Richard Moorcroft? I have no memory of him, oh, but he's really? very handsome.
0: Newsreader? Yeah. He was a newsreader.
2: Oh, yeah, right. If
0: you Google, especially uh, on YouTube, if you look up Ganga Jang, hundreds of languages, the music clip, that's pretty much a whole bunch of newsreaders from 1992, 1994. Like that early era because they got Jane, uh, Anne Forwood, uh, Mary Costakitis. I could be wrong with that.
2: Oh, Costakitis. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Richard
0: yep. Moorcroft, Daryl Eastlake, uh, uh-huh. and yeah. Jeff McMullen, and George Negus, and Stan Grant because of uh, real life. Yeah, right. you watch that. a time like it's a time capsule of uh, news readers and presenters of that era. Mm, good tip. Yeah, Richard Moorcroft also hosted later on in his life after he had finished up doing the news, he did letters and numbers on SBS.
1: Of course, yes. that's
6: how I know him. That's how and, I know
0: him. Yeah. And,
6: and Jane goes for a ride around in the golf cart with Paul from Sylvania Waters, who clearly isn't bothered by all the jokes they've been making about <laughs>
0: Sylvania Waters. No. So this is another Sylvania Waters joke.
2: And it's like, Hello. Robin Jane alert! Claxon sounds like massive. <laughs> yes, <laughs> massive. Sexuality. Yeah, Robin Jane went together. Yes.
6: Mm.
0: Finally, the conspiracy comes true in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. remember. I remember telling all my
2: friends they're definitely going out together. Nobody believed me. I oh, see. you Prove
5: them wrong then. Yeah. You knew. You knew.
2: <laughs> Five yeah. babies later, I think I'm
5: right. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, she's we, still with Tom and climbed down classics. No.
4: <laughs> Although I, I feel I feel like, like we're neglecting the two big stars that uh, were at the, um, the the picnic in the park: B two and Lulu the teddy bear. Oh, yes. <laughs> and Jane
2: didn't know
6: who
0: Lulu was.
6: Was B one not there? Yeah, what's with
0: that? Oh, he was dead, remember? Oh, wait, that was Mickey Mouse. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
4: That's right. Uh, Chris, like, uh, just a bit of a fun fact, Bananas in Pyjamas premiered the Monday after the Late Show episode one, so both uh, both as old as each other. Mm. Wow. Yeah, right. Wow. The, the, the only other thing to mention is the one uh, crappy album cover which they, they, they mentioned they've, they've neglected for quite a
0: few weeks. The worst album cover, Tommy G holds up uh, BT Express. Do it to your satisfied. And BT being uh, big trousers. So that was more of a visual joke if they zoomed in closer on the album cover. So uh, that deserves a...
1: <laughs>
0: but oh. not a strong
5: one. <laughs> oh, is Steve really going to come on the show next time? Yeah, suck in, Steve.
0: <laughs> You're going
5: to regret no,
4: that. No. <laughs> yeah, he's going to have to put his earplugs in. Did anybody notice um, Tony Martin's sign-off at the end? By the way, it was sort of covered a bit by the applause, but he said, and I, I had to transcribe this. Well, that's all the time we've got for. See you next week on the Late Show for Cockfighting by Candlelight. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well,
6: um, we've got we've got a credit for Michael Hirsch, of course he he's credited as audience stooge casting, so he. <laughs> Picked all the people to, to you know, uh, what, what was it? It was the street theater, wasn't it? Where they had people yelling out different different things they could act out.
2: I think. Oh. Well, if he picked the audience, he did an excellent job because what a great audience! <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. Yep. Now, uh, also, there's a, a couple of other um, credits uh, uh, that um, are a bit out of the ordinary. Uh, there's one uh, credit for artist in residence Sharon West. Now, I'm not quite sure what that would have been in relation to directly. The the only thing I can think of is those Clinton Gore signs in the um in the, the Bill Clinton acceptance speech sketch oh. looked quite hand painted.
2: <clears throat> no, but, no, <clears throat> artist in residence doesn't refer to um that medium necessarily. It can be a scriptwriter or you oh, okay. know, a dramaturg or anything. Like
4: maybe, maybe it's one step up from your yeah, work experience.
2: No, it's a good position to have. An artist in re- residence is usually like a grant-funded position. We have them at our theatre; quite a few of them, and they usually go on to then be directors or writers themselves. It's a good good thing to be. Oh, cool!
6: It, it's unusual, though, for to have an artist in residence in television. Though isn't it is it? very weird. Yeah.
2: But yeah. then maybe back in the nineties, there just wasn't enough writing opportunities. Yeah, it could be. I've just and- never seen
6: it. In television. I, I know it's a very common thing in the theatre world, or you know, similar sort of organisations. But yeah, never seen it in television. Mm.
4: Yeah. And oh. the other uh, credit in there is choreography by El Guapo Dance Studios.
0: Yeah. Oh, for the musical. The <laughs> life is- <laughs> yeah, yeah, life as a musical. That would make sense.
4: So I don't. I don't know if that's an actual dance studio. Um, but um,
0: El Guapo. Yeah. That sounds like a 3 and villain.
2: Yeah, it
6: does. <laughs> it does a bit. They're, they're probably the sort of Tony Bartuccio dancers equivalent where <laughs> yeah. you, you get the choreographer and the dance troupe as well because they, they were certainly a dance troupe that they bought in for that.
4: They're the very best uh, dance studio that ABC money can buy. they got yes. a plethora of dancers. <laughs> I love
6: they, they, could, they couldn't afford the Tony Bartuccio dancers position. <laughs>
0: All right, well that wraps it up uh, for season one, episode sixteen of the late show. You forgot the audience tickets. Sorry, Daniel <laughs> did mention that, uh like only a little bit of uh what Tony had said, the cockfighting by candlelight.
1: Mm-hmm. So but
0: yeah, yeah that, the Grim Reaper reads out the audience tickets.
1: Yes. <laughs> sorry with the wrong
2: number. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes,
0: yes, screws up the wrong number. Yeah. Thank
1: anyway,
0: you. Anyway, sorry. No, 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 thank you. So, um, yeah, that, that wraps up season one, episode 16 of The Late Show, as well as uh, this podcast, as well, episode 16. God, we've made it to 16. Hooray. So, mm. four more episodes left until you can get in your entries for them, uh, your favorite quote, piss week competition type thing. We're just making it up as we go along. So, uh, and we're getting more and more prizes, and we've got that extra entry. So, send us all. Uh, any feedback or whatever champagne late show at gmail.com or send us a tweet at TLS Champagne as well as visiting our website especially for the who are uh, best and worst dressed of 92 at ChampagneComedy.com for review and critiquing purposes that's what it's there for and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah Facebook The Late Show uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So, um, yeah, my name's Matt, and I just want to say thank you very much uh, to Alison, Prue, Kim, and Daniel. There we go. It wasn't in the usual alphabetical order. Oh, I mixed it up. <laughs> thank you, guys.
1: See you later. All right, catch you next Bye. time. Bye. See you.